0: Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Whether you're in the gym, walking the dog, on your commute, it's absolutely fantastic to to have you and and have this opportunity to chat great, inspirational and creative ideas. Since my recent visit to BET, I had the opportunity to speak to so many people and it really does seem that... The feeling is that if education is going to change, it's going to come from within, it's going to come with innovation. It's not necessarily going to be a big political change. It's going to be companies working with education, education working with companies, a way of being able to put money and finance and opportunity together to create the skills that children are going to need, but also the environment that's going to be a very productive one in the here and now. Today I'm delighted to be chatting to Josh Chernikov, and he's an innovative entrepreneur, advisor and strategist with more than 20 years of experience in education, broadcast journalism, sales, marketing and communications. Throughout these experiences he's demonstrated success in founding, growing and successfully exiting two education companies. Josh now has set out to serve other entrepreneurs in the education space through his company Cascade Communications. And alongside his experienced team, he's supporting businesses, founders and CEOs in advising and developing thought leadership, content creation, lead generation and much more. This is a fascinating conversation in terms of understanding how the education system can change and is even changing as we speak in terms of people being able to create companies and organisations and situations and environments that are supporting children with what they need as well as helping teachers and the establishment create an environment which actually is there for the benefit of us all. So I really hope you enjoy this. This is my conversation with Josh Shurnikoff. Hi Josh, thanks very much for being here on the Education on Fire podcast I love the fact that I can just chat to so many people all the way around the world. So just start with where you are exactly, and, and there's fa- fantastic surroundings that I can see you in here, even you need to describe it there for our listeners.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to be with you, and I'm excited to be here, uh, frankly. My family and I, uh, for now, um, are living in a small town in the middle of Mexico in the state of Guanajuato, Um Uh, No, there is no beach, uh, which is hard for the gringos, mostly the Americans to understand that we don't have a beach when you walk out our door, but we have mountains. We have what's called um, low desert. So um, the weather is is nearly perfect. I think, you know, it's basically 40s in the morning and 75 in the afternoon and the sun shines all day long. Uh, No place is perfect to live, uh, but you find those things out as you go. Um, But, you know, the grass is always greener. My wife is is absolutely hoping that uh, at some point we get to live in London. So maybe we can swap one day. Yeah, for sure. That <laughs> sounds amazing. Um, yeah.
0: So give us a bit of history in terms of this educational and learning journey that you've been on and, and how it's sort of taken you all those and sort of broadcasting all the way through to where you are today.
1: Yeah. So, it, I mean, as a student, uh, you know, I was not a good one. And frankly, I had very good role models in both my sisters. One went to Harvard, one went to Amherst, amazing students. My parents didn't really get to experience their first B until I came along. And uh, I was good with Bs. I was always good with Bs. I got an occasional C and occasional A. And honestly, I made my way through school by making friends uh, with teachers and just doing my best. Um, And uh, my educational career took me... um, uh, to into journalism uh, at, at uh, American University undergrad, and then my master's degree from Northwestern at Medill School of Journalism in broadcast. Um, so I got into broadcasting, um, loved what I was doing, uh, was doing the weekend sports at a, in a small town in, in Virginia. It was a dream come true. I was covering everything from, you know, your daughter's JV soccer all the way to you know, the Washington Nationals and the D.C. United, and at that time, the Washington Redskins. Um, after that was up, um, I did some work in, at a museum um, and then made my way actually to the Washington Redskins. I helped them with the, the, the Redskins Broadcast Network. Um, I don't know if your listeners are following, uh, but there it was a very toxic culture. It was a lot more toxic than I knew, but I knew that I didn't want to be a part of it. And I went out and um, started a tutoring company. Um, I was introduced to one student um, and helped that student. He had two older sisters as well. They were very smart. Um, And his parents just wanted him to read. They didn't care what we read. And so we just read and read. His reading scores went up. And then another parent asked me to tutor their kid. And I got to my third student. um, And uh, we started doing Venn diagrams. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. Um, And I just told the family, I said, we have gone into territory when it comes to math that is not for me. My mind does not work like this, but let me go find somebody, you know, hang on, hang on. And I found a tutor. Her name was Michelle Silva. um, And she was a phenomenal math tutor. She was with me for seven out of the 10 years that I owned that business before I sold it. And the other thing I did uh, was I pitched a story to the local NBC affiliate in Washington, D.C., about summer brain drain. And in Washington, D.C., if Jim Vance and Doreen Gensler uh, talk highly of of your company, it's going to take off. And it did. April of '08, we were spotlighted by them. Company took off. Um, uh, It was a – my tutoring company was a boutique, one-to-one, in-home tutoring company. Uh, It was great. Um, In terms of uh, starter business, it was more – than a lifestyle business, but pretty easy to understand. Uh, tough to scale at that point. It was in home. I even tried to give away online tutoring and could not. Um, but I had a parent approach me and say, "Hey, would you be interested in starting a homework club at our school?" And I thought, "Yeah, absolutely. I'll do it for free." You know, and she said, "Well, we'll pay you, and we'll do the flyers, and we'll get you the rooms." And I said, "This is crazy. Why would you do all this?" And she said, "Well, this is this is after school enrichment." I said, "Okay." And uh, well, I can do this. And we, we, we ran a very successful homework club, um, meaning the kids were happy, the parents were happy, and my tutors were happy, and I made more money for our company. Um, so a new revenue stream. I pitched this idea of running the after-school program to a principal. His name is Danny Vogelman. I'm still very close with him at a middle school. And it was a safe program. After school with great vendors, great providers. Um, the teachers loved it. Danny loved it. His front office staff loved it because they didn't have to deal with the after school enrichment. Went from one school to three to seven to 15. And uh, pre pandemic, we were in 82 schools doing enrichment, doing summer camps and aftercare. Um, and we even had a letter of intent to be acquired by a major aftercare company. That was signed in February. Before the pandemic and that was rescinded in March when the pandemic hit so uh, um, at this point both of those companies have been sold successfully um, and I've started a communications company really helping education entrepreneurs um, sell become thought and thoughtful leaders and help them build out their organizations I mean it
0: really is quite a journey and it's interesting you sort of say that kind of homework club idea and that extra support network. It's something which has been on my mind recently because I'm, you know, as a professional musician, I go out and play, but also i'm I'm tutoring and teaching drums and percussion in schools. And so much of what I thought, would happen naturally you know you have your lessons but of course as a music tutor you see everyone once a week for 20 minutes half an hour 45 minutes whatever it happens to be and I always think of it in terms of the passion that I had you know they're going to be listening to loads of stuff and loads of practice and all of that kind of thing and and you do have a whole range of that kind of thing people do people don't but one of the things which is really becoming apparent is that sense of they just need a little bit of extra structure you know in, in a bit like the homework club someone there that can just help and support or a little bit of guidance or even just a small framework where there's a touch point between each of those lessons and it's amazing how much value that gives isn't it
1: yeah and you know and and so you're right structure one and badass instructors too uh you know um we always had obviously you know our our weekly touch points it was one hour a week but it really became you know apparent to me that it was the instructors Uh, i can remember and this is maybe why I was qualified to run a tutoring company, not because I have an education background because I got straight A's, but because I had a crap load of tutors, you know, so I knew it was going to be a good tutor and a bad tutor. I remember I had this one tutor's name with Ted Stein. I don't know where Ted is, but um, he looked like Forrest Gump, uh, and he he did his best to help me, but we just didn't necessarily connect. Um, So it was tough, but I can remember other tutors who – you know, really I connected with and that made the tutoring fun at the time. Um, and I can tell you who shouldn't be my tutors at that time. It was my parents. So um, that doesn't work out well. Uh, but I think to your point, um, providing that structure after school check, but also making sure that the instructors are just so super cool should also be on that checklist.
0: I mean, it's a theme that comes up over and over again this idea of connection like i say it's not about necessarily how you deliver the content or that sort of kind of support it's about the fact that i see you you see me we've got a way of working together to move together to learn together um and if you've got if you sort of pinpoint what some of some of that is because of course there's always a teacher or a person that the odd person connects to but to have that sort of breadth where they're able to connect with lots of people and you know you've got that
1: skill set. What is that, if you can sort of put it into a nutshell? I don't know if it's, if it's one thing. I think it's, it's got to be multiple things for us as human beings, you know, to, to figure out who we connect with. I, I'm down here in Mexico, and two things I wanted to, to really hone uh, my skills on, golf and my Spanish. I'm surrounded by two native speakers, my daughter and my wife. So I got to get better at speaking Spanish. I'm pretty damn good. I can understand what they say. But whenever I open my mouth at a restaurant, uh, everybody just makes fun of me because, you know, my, my accent comes out. So my Spanish teacher who's been doing her best to help me just haven't really connected. Um, again, I know she's doing her best. On the flip side, my golf coach, you know, is just figuring out ways to relate this game to me that have uh, – never made more sense. And, and basically, it's all about business, you know, and that helps me a lot. So I, I think it's, you know, on an individual basis, it's on the teacher to figure out how to connect with you. And then of course, and I'll be the first to admit, it's on the student uh, to, to study and really want to be eager to learn. And in one, golf, I've been a great student. And in Spanish, I haven't been so good.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? And I think that's one of the things when you're that kind of school age, and also I I guess as a tutor and a teacher as well, is the fact that you're in school and everyone's expecting you to be the best you can at every single subject, because of course... Each of those teachers have got themselves to look at and, and, and they want to make sure they're doing the best and that you do your best. And there are some students who just seem to excel in everything. But there's no rhyme or reason why that should be the case. Yes, do your best. Yes, study. Just do everything that you can. But there's going to be talents and interests and understanding, which is just going to make some things easier for others. And I think that ability to understand that if you lean into those things while just allowing the other things to progress as they can, That's a much more kind of fruitful life, I think, for me. And you sort of feel like you're constantly progressing in a way that maybe you don't if you feel like you're banging your head against a
1: brick wall about something which doesn't quite work. It's true. And I, I, you know, I bang my head against the wall from nine to three every single day at school. Um, But when I got out of school, I loved that time. And uh, that's why I also think when my other business, uh, my after school enrichment business, I was so passionate about it because I wanted to provide. those kids who weren't necessarily enjoying their day as much an opportunity to do karate or cooking or Zumba or dance or art, um, or be young entrepreneurs. Um, and I wanted to make sure that, that they enjoyed that part of their day. So I think now, you know, um, because we can connect with so many people, obviously the way we are right now, you being, uh, in the UK and me being in Mexico, um, the learning opportunities for adults are wide open as well. Um, You know, to be able to take live cohort-based courses, uh, you know, alongside other people who might be anywhere in the world is pretty exciting. Of course, you could always take classes on YouTube, but we all know and the stats show that, you know, the the completion rate is not as high as when you join a course with other people and you support each other. Um, There's a company that I... uh, work with and for is called Click2 it's a platform for supporting cohort-based courses and it's led me to to take classes online and try different things that I wouldn't otherwise have tried. And how
0: did you find that kind of online versus in-person thing because I think certainly for everyone who's been learning through the pandemic you know it was very much one and then it's very much the other and now we kind of have this hybrid blended in inverted commas idea and you know education could go in all sorts of ways although it does seem to be trying to get back to some kind of previous norm which there there's arguments about whether that's necessarily the way forward or not um but do you think you can get that same kind of interaction online as you can sort of face to face
1: you know i thought about this a lot i do think it'll stay hybrid and it should um, uh I, I, I think I said is on, in my tutoring company I truly tried to give online tutoring away about uh ten years what ten years ago. We were doing online. Or sorry, we were doing in person and I thought, okay, I'll I'll give parents like a fifteen to twenty minute, thirty minute check in for free. So that my tutor can can have a better session when they meet in person. And it was amazing how many parents I talked to and they said, you know what? We're not interested, but why don't you have your tutor come for another session in person? Like, well, okay. You know, not necessarily my intention, but we'll do that. Um, so I think now, uh, we're going to get the best of both worlds. Um, you know, for example, golf, absolutely. You know, there's nothing like going out there and putting a club in your hand and having a coach and and hitting that grass. Um, but honestly, if there was a, a cohort based course, of 42 uh, year old lefties who are getting back into golf, who are entrepreneurs, I would potentially join that group and meet up every other week and, and support each other online and, and talk about how business can relate to golf. That would be interesting to me. So I'm hoping that um, uh, that the hybrid world does stick around. And obviously not even touching the surface of, of you know, Folks that are living in different parts of the of the United States or different parts of the world that don't have access to the instructors that we might have living, you know, in you know, kind of closer in the city. So if they have an Internet connection and if they have a, a platform like a Zoom or a ClickTo, then they can take these fantastic enriching activities as well, like cooking or Zumba or art or karate or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's really true. And I think that the one thing that you mentioned there, which always strikes me is the thing which you need to encapsulate to make this work is that sense of community and the sense of chatting, because so much of the online is kind of now we're online and now we're going to work from like A to B or for an hour or half an hour, however long it is. And there's a lot less kind of free time that you get in the face to face, you know, the kind of coming in and the chatting and the hello and you're getting your stuff ready and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot to be said for that kind of time, which gives a different atmosphere than the than being online. And I think those people that are able to make that sort of friendly online approach where you still have that kind of downtime while being in part of it. I think that really is incredible and and does make such a
1: difference. Yeah, the point you make is 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 one that has struck me. Recently, um, you know, as we've started this Cascade Communications and working with um, entrepreneurs in the education space, everybody wants to just get started. You know, they want leads to come in, and they want to get on webinars, and they want their teams to grow. And we start off with a, you know, a pretty slow onboarding process on purpose. You know, first I get to meet with them, and then Anna, who's on my team, gets to meet with them, and then they meet with the rest of our team because we're all going to be working together. So. I want to have those moments with them that don't necessarily involve the X's and O's of growing their business where we get to know where you live and, you know, we get to know if you have kids, Um, you know, and I think that 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 does build the community. And um, I think that community is so important because you get to know people, yes, but at some point, potentially, in the business relationship, the shit's going to hit the fan. You know, something rough is going to happen. And if we, if we have built stronger bonds outside of, you know, a transaction um, and building their business, then I think we're going to make it through together. And that's what happens, I think, in these courses as well, you know, because um, you're not taking a course because you know everything, you're taking a course to challenge yourself. So you're going to need the people in your course to relate to. And that is that, that sense of community. So I'm, I'm all for it, like what you're saying, you know, kind of you know, that that virtual, like you said, coffee, beer, or wine, it's super important. And I think it, it works across many different areas, doesn't it? You know,
0: the teacher that knows that the pupil has a certain background at home that can have that conversation or that quiet word about something builds a rapport, which enables the academic side and, and the student feeling comfortable enough to have a conversation, which may really help their day, week or month and that kind of thing. And I think that human-to-human connection is really, really important.
1: I was going to say, you said day, week, or month, or life. You know, one of the questions that you had asked me about to think about was, uh, you know, a teacher that influenced me. And I can remember uh, Mike Hibbs, Coach Hibbs. uh, I switched from public school uh, to private in my junior year, and Coach Hibbs taught uh, 1984, the book. Such a dark book. Uh, But it was... Yeah, dark and and realistic, uh, for now. Uh, but you know, Coach Hibbs really taught that. So it was the first book I ever finished, page to page. I still have the copy, um, and so I think that that teacher, that connection, um, and I don't know if Coach Hibbs had that connection with everybody, but you know, he made my day, my month, my year, and and frankly, he's he's still in my life whether he knows it or not. Yeah, that's
0: incredible, and.
1: And and you mentioned before there about
0: that sort of rapport with people that you're working with now in in your business, um, and I'm interested to to hear that from both sides of, the, of of the of the coin really, because there there are people who listen to this who have side hustles who started businesses that have been in education that are trying to support and change education for the better based on their expertise, and of course we also have teachers and senior leadership and heads that are also looking to bring things into education that can help. So talk us a little bit about, one, what you do, but also specifically that relationship about how these two things can work together, I think, for the greater good of education as it moves forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're kind of a matchmaker in that sense. Uh, You know, I can relate a lot to the education entrepreneurs we've got. I've got CEOs who have built multiple businesses and had successful exits that start other businesses one of them comes to mind is first route and first route uh, the CEO's name is Luke he will, he will tell you this he was a professional pairs figure skater the dude is intense okay and he's so driven he's like you know the easiest client to work with in the sense that when we bring him a lead when we make a match for him he is not going to waste a minute talking to this person in fact I had to ask him to dial it down a little bit and I was like, Luke, like these people, you know, this is a PTA mom. This is a principal who's going through a pandemic. Like we got to chill, but we're going to, we're going to get the work and you're going to be able to expand your business because he's passionate about financial literacy um, and democracy. Um, we have uh, a, a business that we're working with um, and uh, it's called Hey Kiddo. And she does social emotional work with kids. Uh, and she's creating an app um, and you know, Nicole is, is eager as well. Love working with her. So um, on the flip side of that, we have principals and superintendents um, and PTA presidents that I know personally, and they provide kind of a good training ground for the folks like Luke and Nicole to practice. And then we also do cold email outreach, lead generation. You know, there's some gambling to doing that, but we don't do it on the top level domain You know, I don't want to get too into the weeds here, but we don't use the top level domain because you got to protect that. Um, But we do help them set up a second way to send emails. Um, And we have content writers and we build thoughtful blog posts and webinars around these CEOs so that when those emails do reach those principals or those PTA presidents or those superintendents, it might not reach them at the exact right time. You know, they may be getting an email when they're walking out of the school the school at that time. But it might stick in their head. It's well-written. It's catchy. And when they get that second email, they might not reply, but they might go to their LinkedIn, and they'll see that, wow, this person's really thinking about not just their business, but they're thinking about social-emotional. They're thinking about financial literacy. Again, not just thinking about their business. And then when they get that third email, Third time's the charm. They'll book, you know, on their calendar, and they'll have a conversation. And we have coached these people up on how to talk to them, how to be very quick, because you know uh, our uh, our principals and PTAs presidents have lots to do, and hopefully get to a second meeting, and then bring more people into the fold. So it's a process um, that we go through. And as anybody who knows who's either on the sales side of it with their product or they're the principal or the PTA, school sales takes an incredible amount of time and trust. And so they have to be patient. Um, and we, we teach patience as best as we can. I love that because it,
0: like you say, it's the essence of what everyone's doing, both in school and out school. In that merging together and understanding, and like I say the multiple touch points, the understanding of what you're trying to get across, and in all of these businesses, you know, they sound like the passion comes through first, and that's what we want to be doing. We all want to be helping everyone who's learning to get it the best that they possibly can, especially if they're coming from experts and people that are able to to deliver something in a way which is going to bring so much more value.
1: It's true. And it's, it is, you know, not to, to, to use an overused word, but it's really about evangelizing um, what they're passionate about. You know, so for example, for Luke, um, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, he wants First Root to grow and, and be an impactful uh, part of these kids lives. But it's, it's kind of like reminding him that Luke, you did this because, because you really wanted to teach financial literacy. So let's go out there and talk about financial literacy. All of those conversations about First Root, they will come. I promise you, you know, and when you when you have these uh, CEOs that are so driven and passionate about their business, obviously, but about about, um, you know, an idea, whether it's democracy or or a college journey. And you say, you know what? Here's the cool thing. We're just going to talk about that because all roads are going to lead to your business. And when you, when you bring them to that level, I think it becomes more enjoyable for them as well.
0: Yeah, it really takes you back to your root, doesn't it? Like you're saying, mm-hmm. and, f- and from there, like say, everything should hopefully just fall into place and all of those relationships then are going to affect your business and, and, and everything else that goes with it. So, I mean, I mean, from there, I mean, is there a piece of advice that, that you were given that you'd like to share? Or, or even is there a piece of advice you'd now give your younger self looking back that you, you think would be incredibly supportive?
1: Yeah, I and I was thinking through that uh, question um, and I think it goes back to I don't know where it came from, uh, but I can find it on on the World Wide Web. Um, but there's a there's an underpass somewhere, at least in this picture, that says fear is a liar. And when whenever the shit hits the fan, and it does, when you're an entrepreneur, pretty much on a daily basis, you can go from the you know the outhouse to the penthouse within you know a phone call don't let that fear creep in, you know, and know uh, that fear is a liar, and that you're going to be okay. And that, you know, your business is not you, you are separate from your business. um, And that the business will be okay, and that the person will be okay. And I say this with confidence, only because I also work on it every other week with my coach, my business coach. Um, And uh, I think that Uh, a piece of advice I would give is, is find yourself a coach. Um, It's an investment. You know, it's not a line item, you know, on, on, in your business. It's an investment in you and your life. And if your business is healthy, your life will be healthy and vice versa. So I think the, it goes back to me. It's that fear is a liar for sure.
0: I love that. And there's something related to that that I saw recently with it was that you've already survived 100% of all the bad days that you've ever had. And, uh, and, and you just sort of think about that, because you know, so many people spend all their time thinking, but when this happens, it's going to be the end. And it's that kind of even those worst days, you've come up the next day, and, and you're still here, and then you can make those decisions, be present and decide how to move forward.
1: It's true. I, I uh, we do a lot of coaching with our CEOs. And I, and I tell people in, in our onboarding that it's a little bit of science and a little bit of art. The science part is basically my team because they're super smart. The art part is all the bumps and bruises I have all over my body, you know, from the businesses that I've built, broken, bankrupt, brought back, all those different things. Um, and I survived all those. Um, it was tough. And, you know, I, uh, I appreciate that my wife has been along – the last 11 years on this ride it's not always easy Um, but you know we've gotten through it and you know somehow I'm on my third business here with Cascade and I've never felt more confident in in myself um, in the people around me and that there is a business there that, that that by the way can also make money at the end of the day that's always helpful yeah, for sure, and and I think, like I say, there's nothing like experiences there in
0: that having been there and done it, and also understanding, like you say that no matter how you meander around through these things, the good, the bad, and the indifferent that having been through that and the ability to share that knowledge and like say and and to guide and to be a coach in all those different ways that you said as well,
1: um, sounds like it's uh, incredibly important for those people that you're working with. I think so. the the other the other thing that I I used to have up on my uh, my wall in D.C. In my office it said much, much to be done, much to do and undo. And, you know, um, the much to do part is probably on your shoulders as an entrepreneur, as an educator, the undo part might be in the hands of somebody you select as your mentor, your coach. Uh, my mentor, one of my mentors, John Gamba, who's the, also the co-host of one of the shows that I have called breaking the grade where we interview, um, entrepreneurs in the education space who are kind of breaking the industry, you know, he's there for me. Um, and so I think uh, selecting a mentor who will uh, pick you up when you're down and also put you down nicely when you need it. So I think um, for, for anybody out there, you know, who's going to go on this, this entrepreneurial journey, and it is a journey, have a good mentor there as well. And sort of following through from that, is there
0: a particular podcast, a book, a film, a song, or anything that's had an impact on your life? And and why was that the case?
1: Um, I, in terms of a a show, um, I have fallen in love again for the second time with Ted Lasso. And I don't mean to be cliche-ish, you know, because of where you're sitting. Um, But uh, that show... I watched it the first time with my wife. We loved it. We laughed. We cried. She was away recently. And, um, you know, we all bring our kids up differently. Uh, But I watched it with my daughter. She's seven. So she definitely knows what wanker means and the F word and all those things. It's all good. She's going to learn it at some point. Might as well learn it from me. And I'm just amazed by that show um, and uh, how. The characters um, develop, and, and and the way it's written, um, and so it, it continuously boggles my mind of what we can learn about leadership from a show like Ted Lasso. And so, if if anybody's out there, the other one I would say, uh, the Greatest Showman. Um, have you ever seen that movie?
0: Yeah, I have, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I watch that all the time, and um, and there's also. Uh, there is a rehearsal that you can find on YouTube of one of the songs from The Greatest Showman. And I recommend everybody who has seen this movie to then watch that rehearsal. And if you're having a bad day, watch it. If you're having a great day, because it will only get better. And uh, so I think The Greatest Showman, those two things. So clearly, you know, I'm all about the entrepreneur and the underdog uh, in Ted Lasso and, in, and The Greatest Showman
0: and it's like I say the, those stories do sort of like I say do show that whole arc don't they <laughs> in terms yeah. of, the, of of everything that, that, that could possibly go on um, and one of the things that we're really sort of focusing on here on the show is this idea of our, our fire you know the idea of feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment because I think one of the things that we've actually talked about already is the fact that On any given day on any given month year or like say through a lifetime you're going to have some or all of those that are going to take one particular focus or another you can be inspired but then without doing the work nothing's going to change very much you know you you need the resilience when you get knocked down all of those sorts of things so so just within that kind of concept of fire is there one or two particular things that you think have really affected you that you, you can share with us
1: it's tough to say you know, I could tell you one or two today or I could tell you one or two since the year started or, you know, it's, um, it's tough to say. It's just what I, what I know to be true is that every single day owning a business is an adventure. And if you're up for that adventure, fantastic. I had a, a buddy of mine um, who also started businesses. And we would always look at ourselves and say, "Why are we doing this?" Everybody else has got their nine to five, and they go home. And but you gotta want to have you gotta have that fire. You gotta have that resiliency. You gotta have everything else that's involved in fire. Um, and and you gotta want it. Um, and at times you're not going to get it. And you have to you know let let it all unfold and know that the the business is maturing. Again, my coach, who has taught me this, is that you know the business is. Just like a child has to mature on its own you can't force it um, and so um, you know I think to answer your question it's tough to think of one or two things uh, today or, or or you know narrow it down but i I hope that anybody who's listening might understand that we're all experiencing these things on a daily basis if you're an education entrepreneur
0: and I think for me it's the I, I had this the day I was teaching someone and I suddenly realized that what I thought I was producing was a great lesson and <laughs> the insights that are going to really help and support them and then I suddenly just sort of stood back for a moment and they were chatting about something completely unrelated to drumming and I just thought But this is your journey, you know, this is your experience of this lesson, it's your experience of what we're working on and and, and your sort of school environment at this moment. And I thought that was a really big lesson for me, that kind of just, it's not just about what I think I can help and shape and inspire, it's also about what they take from it and what they need on any given day as well. And and really understanding that two-way street can can make an incredibly important
1: difference to both people, whether you're
0: learning as the student
1: or the teacher. I think, it, and that's, that. I think you said it right at the end, of course, is it's for both of you guys, you know, that student, uh, I don't know what age they are. They may not kind of recognize it, that you're giving them that space. But as the educator, you know, you are giving yourself that space to know you're doing your best, you know, and, and they just might not be getting it that day. Um, or, you know, who knows, like, um, you know, they may be, maybe you're not the best teacher for them. Who knows? You know, again, like there's nothing wrong with my Spanish teacher. She teaches a friend of mine and they are fantastic together. Just wasn't working for me. And I had to come out and kind of say that, um, because I had this parallel experience where I am recognizing what's working so well on the golf course, you know, and with this golf coach. And again, my game is not very good, but I'm really enjoying myself. You know, and that kind of goes back to tutoring. You know, we we didn't go into tutoring with these kids and, uh, you know, to expect them to get A's. We just wanted them to feel more confident, pass the class and not look back and say, man, that was the worst experience of my life. You know, I loved working with Adrian and we got through math together. That is a good lesson for life. I love that. And I think it's such a great way to finish that. I
0: want you to feel and whatever the, the the next part of that sentence is because I think once you encapsulate that in such a way as it then gives them the next step either to do the work or to do something different or to relate or have a conversation or whatever that happens to be when they feel something which kind of moves them into taking some kind of next step that's going to give them some kind of experience which they would have never had if you hadn't created that atmosphere so Josh, thank you so much. It's been a fascinating conversation and I just love this um, marriage that's starting to happen more and more between great education, great entrepreneurs and businesses, which I think as that starts to get, and they start to work more closely as time goes on, I think that can only be better for anyone that's learning um, in education today.
1: Well, as a, as a, as a self-proclaimed matchmaker, I hope that I can help move it along for everybody. I'm really excited about this business that we've started and, um, proud of the journey that I've been on
0: fantastic thank you so much yeah absolutely thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes I've created 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage